Step, I genuinely cannot wait to find out what absolutely ridiculous off-the-board game you're going to this week. I'm actually going to some on-the-board games this week, sir. What a change of pace. Tep and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. You keep the lights on around here, and that's that's a good thing because even though, like, We've had fewer people in the office. Like, basically, the only editorial people who come into the office are me and Pickle. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else works from home. Yeah. But, I think uh, I might come visit you guys later this week, though. Okay. Well, Maybe. I look forward to that. Yeah. Maybe. But we need lights on. And so that's what you. That's where you guys come in. You people who have helped pay for this podcast, uh, you have gone and said, you know what? I will uh, I will pay for for this and, and that's keeping the lights on for when step does show up so thank you very much is what i'm saying you keep the lights on and you keep our wives from yelling at us too much probably the second part more important than the first if the lights yeah. go off i can work in the dark it's fine um this is your week four preview episode of tep and step your premium high school football podcast a lot to get to we're going to break down a little bit of what happened in week three get to our week four draft and all of that fun stuff but we will start as we always do, Matthew, with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. And you're on like a – I would say you got like one and a half in a row, right? I'm on a little bit of a heater because these, are, these aren't the easiest questions in the world you ask. No. And, and, you know, I don't get any prep, prep form, so, you know. And I'm going to be honest. I think I'm going to stump you this week. I really, I really genuinely do. I think, I, I think I've got you this week because I don't think there's any way you know this. All right. Matt Stepp. By winning percentage, what is the best UIL district right now? By winning percentage, what district as a whole has the highest winning percentage? Okay, I'm just going to take a wild guess here. Um, If you get this right, I'm going to be so mad. I don't think this is right, but I bet it's, it's up there. District 3-3A Division 2. You are actually really close. Dang so, 3-3A Division 2 does have a 14-7 and record as a whole. Uh, but, in fact, there is a district that has only lost one game. Really? That That's right. You said District 3, and I go, you son of a... It is District 3-4-A Division 1. Oh, Dumas yeah, is 3-0. Yeah. Pampa is 3-0. Canyon is now 2-0. And the only loss belongs to Hereford, who is 1-1. Ah. So they are 9-1. That is the best. That is the, the highest winning percentage. Although the second highest winning percentage belongs to District... 4-2-A Division 2. 4-2-A Division 2. Let me think about what that district is. Hold on. I'm going to pull up their standings. Yes. Uh, yes. Clarendon, 3-0. and 
Mm-hmm. Shamrock 3 and 0. Wellington 2 and 0. Wheeler 2 and 1 and Memphis 2 and 1. And there's a theme here developing. All these districts are in the panhandle. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Lots They're of good all football. There. Lots of good football being played in the panhandle in the small school ranks, which is no surprise. They play especially the 3A and 2A levels a lot of of good football up there. There is, in fact, wasn't wasn't Hale Center your hipster game last week? Do I have that right? No, I think it was yours, wasn't it? Maybe it was. I don't know. Well, I, I get I get so lost in this. But Hale Center's got another one. They got the Battle of Unbeaten's Hale Center and Clarendon this week. There you go. Um, yes. So there you go. District three, four, a division one, the oh. best district by winning percentage. Oh, close. That is your, that is your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. The other thing I was looking up, do you know, three, a has a winning record over four, a right now. Interesting. Yeah. I thought that was inter- interesting. That's, that's pretty I, rare. Cause I was thinking, I was like, you know, the more I was thinking about these, um, like the, this weird, obviously season where the schedules got all jumbled and you kind of are just playing whoever you can find. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to end up looking back on this and having like some weird, like, because like these four, a teams have no choice, but to play like really good three, a teams, like these three, a teams are feasting. Um, I don't know. It's it's um, I'm I'm interested because what got me thinking was um, I want to see. Do you know that two A is two and zero against four A? Uh, Martin Shiner, right? Uh, Refurio and Shiner. I'm sorry, Refurio uh, and Shiner. Mart hasn't played a four A. Mart played. Mart's played a couple of three eighty ones. Yeah, because because Ref, Refurio played Divine and they beat yes. them. In the, I think Shiner played Smithville. Smithville and they beat them. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, that's, that's pretty wild that you have like, you can, that, that they're two and O against, uh, against a, a cl- two classifications ahead of them. But in any case, uh, okay. Very briefly, let's touch on week, week three. I don't know that there are as many like headlines coming out of week three, um, as, as others. I, I, I thought if you were to identify, if you were to ask me to identify the team that impressed me the most in week three, I would probably say Lexington. I think that win over Rockdale is just really, really impressive. Like the more you think about it, the more impressive it, it is. Yeah, that's a really good win for the Eagles. I mean, you know, we thought Rock uh, Lexington had a chance to really be good, and I saw them early. You know, week one, I saw them, and they were still working out some of the kinks. But man, they've They've just they they they're playing really good football, but you know it doesn't get any easier for them as they take on uh, Cameron Yo this week. But yeah, um, your, your comment about why don't they make, they make the whole plane out of Jared Kerr? Um, yeah, <laughs> let's do that. They just keep doing that thing, and it's like, man, that that seems that seems really smart. I feel like I feel like they should always do that. Yeah, Jared Kerr was unbelievable yeah. in that game. His his stat line was pretty pretty crazy last week. It was, and and so. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, I was just, I, I was kind of going through like doing some scatter shooting things, uh, for my, for my, um, uh, video, uh, for my, my instant reaction video last week. And I just like, I, I just found myself being like, you know, I don't know that this, this, this it was not an earth week three didn't strike me as an earth shattering week. It didn't strike me as the kind of week where they were like all these games that just jumped out to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just an, a crazy result. Um, I think maybe part of it is that we're still kind of getting a feel for for things. I think in a lot of uh, in in many weeks, 
in, in, in some, or I should not many weeks, some years, a result like what Jasper did to Newton would like really jump off the page. But I put, I put like almost no stock in that result, like almost zero stock. Yeah, I can't put any stock in that loss too. I mean, Newton's had such a difficult time um, just playing. I mean, just for them to play a football game this week was was really an achievement. And to have to do that against Jasper and Carl Limbrick um, was a, was a really tall task. So I I, agree, I, I totally agree with with your take uh, today on the show that you weren't going to punish Newton too much. Um, for that now it doesn't get much easier this week because they've got to take on west orange stark but west orange stark is kind of dealing with what newton had to deal with last week right and and one thing that like what well, we as we were doing the rankings like last week it was like last week was it was three a division two's turn to get turned upside down and this week it was three a division one uh, Wall lost, Pottsboro lost, Malakoff lost, Rockdale lost. Like it was just a, there was just a barrage of, of, of teams that, that, that got beat. Um, but at the same time, like Wall lost to San Antonio Cornerstone. We've talked about San Antonio Cornerstone before. That's just, that's like an all-star team. Um, Malakoff lost to Cedar Hill Trinity Christian. That like, that's kind of the, uh, uh, the same thing, right? That's just like, I don't put yeah. a ton of stuff about no, the, what 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 I the one I had trouble dealing with was Pottsboro and Melissa, because on one hand, like Melissa beat the brakes off of Pottsboro, like they they clobbered them, but Pottsboro was without Braden Plyler for the first half. I didn't want to bury them too much. Like I I think I ended up dropping them a spot in the rankings, but like. I, I still think Pottsboro is like a really good team, and I didn't want I didn't want to really like knock them down like eight or nine or something like that. Um, and and really beyond that, like nobody really. Did, I mean, we probably could have bumped Hallsville up a little bit more, but like Shallow Water needed overtime to beat Leveland and stuff. I, it was also one of those things that like in that in when I was doing the rankings, there wasn't necessarily any team that I'm like, oh, I have to get them higher ranked like i made sure i was like what what mount vernon did to paul pewitt i had to make sure i got them in the mm-hmm. rankings but mm-hmm. past that i don't know that there was ever re- there was there were any teams that i was like oh i definitely have to move them up and so i was like ah Pottsboro, you, you can you can stay you can kind of stay around where you were that was kind of very similar for me in 4a where where i really i really strongly considered uh moving either Glen Rose or Salado into the rankings. Um, but Wimberley, I didn't, I didn't want to punish Wimberley too bad for getting hammered against Lampasas. Cause I, I just feel like Lampasas is going to hammer just about anyone in 4A division two right now, just with the way they're playing and especially in Lampasas. But I mean, Wimberley, Wimberley is kind of teetering right now. You know, they got Fredericksburg this week and that's not going to be an easy game. Um, you know, I think Salado and Glenrose are really kind of right there on that cusp. And those were, I really had a tough time keeping Salado and Glenrose out of the rankings this week, just because of, of what they've done. Now Glenrose, they got Grandview this week. So if they beat yeah. Grandview, they may end up getting into the rankings somehow. So, um, yeah. I, you know, you, you start to like, for me, the biggest issue I have with the rankings just on an overall arc the toughest thing i have is 2a division two you know because generally speaking there's not a lot of depth there you get past the first five or six teams and and you've got a group of about 20 to 25 teams that kind of just churn through the bottom of the rankings because they're all kind of on that same plane there's not there's very little difference there so that's where i you you see that that to me that's where i have the most issues 2a d2 six through ten just the the churn at that part of the rankings well 
you can check out the rankings at texasfootball.com slash rankings, but you're not here to listen to rankings. You're here to talk about, uh, you're, you're here to listen rather. I'm talking to the listener, not you step. Um, you're here to, because you're kind of contractually obligated to be here. Um, the listener is here. You, the fine listener are here because you want to hear about week four and we want to talk about week four. So we're going to get into it. The week four Texas high school football draft. If you're into, if you're, this is your first episode, step and I go back and forth, selecting games. Once a game is picked, it is off the board talking about games. We are most interested in watching. I did the, we did the coin flip before the, uh, the show. I won the coin flip. So I get the first pick this week and I think that there is an obvious game that everyone's going to pay that everyone's going to be like, Oh, that's gotta be the best game. That's gotta be the number one game. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go there. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit off the board because I think that I'm already bit, on me. I'm because I'm a little bit more interested in one other game. What I'm interested in is what's going down 7 30 PM Friday night at Memorial field in East Bernard as the Shiner Comanches visit the Bramas of East Bernard. And this game is really interesting to me for about six or seven different reasons. Um, Shiner, as we, as we were talking about earlier, Shiner is coming off of their third consecutive win over a team that's bigger than them. Um, they've only played bigger teams and including a 4A team in Smithville. Now Smithville's Smithville's not a, a world beater. They're, by any they're means. not a bad 4A by any means. This is this is that was a no. team that made the area playoffs last year. Yeah. They're not a bad team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and Shiner went went there and s- kind of smoked them. 40, um, 41 to 12. Yeah, I mean that's that's very impressive. Well, now I would I would I think you can make an argument no, the, the, not not you can't. You, you can definitely make an argument, and by which I mean I think this is true. This is their toughest game to date, and this is a legit state ranked, bona fide contending three A Division two team on the road. Like this is a huge, huge challenge for our number one team in two A Division one. Um, East Bernard uh, is, of course, they run the slot T, and the slot T is the devil. Um, but the thing that struck me that I thought was really interesting, kind of diving into what they've done this year, uh, East Bernard's three and playing really well. What really surprises me, they are throwing the, the, like, like all slot T teams, they do not throw much, but when they do East Bernard has been really effective, very, like, potent. very, very, exactly. very efficient in the passing game. They're not going to throw it much, but you'll see the kind of line from their quarterback where he's. He's six of nine for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Something That's like exactly that. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah Dallas Novicki, their, their junior quarterback, has been really good. Um, but the big question, I think, is going to be about can't what does the East Bernard defense do with uh, the Brooks brothers, with Doug Brooks and Dalton Brooks, who – I mean, Doug, and Doug Brooks. Doug Brooks is a ridiculous freight train of a person playing to a football. A, like if you watch his highlights, a, it's yeah, it's not fair. He's a grown ass man. Yes. And he's, he's, he's got a grown, grown man, man name, Doug Brooks. Yeah. It's like Doug Brooks, Steve Johnson. You know, yeah. what is it about that part of the state with, with the accountant <laughs> names that are great running backs? You know, when it, well, they got it John Richards and, you know, it's just 
Doug Brooks, Steve Johnson, CPAs, you know. Exactly. But, and 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 Doug Brooks is a is a freight train. Dalton Brooks is a little bit more of the lightning to the thunder. And yeah, yeah. they've been fantastic. And the only thing that I'm not the only thing, but another thing that I'm really interested in is because this is the fourth consecutive week that they are playing a team that is not just bigger than them, but in many respects, like significantly bigger than them, is is there going to come a point where Shiner wears down? Like this is four straight weeks of rough and tumble, big boy football. Mm-hmm. And, and, and after, after a shortened strange off season, will there come a point where, where they wear down? Um, I, I think this game is fascinating. And this is the kind, this is the kind of game that like, if Shiner goes and wins this game, I think that they have to be like, like you're you're gonna be, start talking about them as like okay they are definitely the team to beat in two A division one. Uh, if East Bernard wins this game, like it's a huge feather in their cap because this is like a, a bona fide contender. I think there's a lot to learn about both these teams from this game. And East Bernard is one of, I think does match up well with Shiner just because of, of the nature of 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 their style of play. Um, I think Shiner, though, being a smaller school, school is probably a little bit more explosive than East Bernard. And I think that's really the difference in this game. I think Shiner's just got a few more playmakers than East Bernard. And I think, I think, you know, the only th- only way I can see East Bernard winning this game is that the slot T just gets rolling and they just keep the ball away from Shiner. I think Shiner's going to score points on the East Bernard defense. Um, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Now, now keep in mind for Shiner, this is their last non-district game. They, they move into, into district play, I think, next week. I think. Um, and but they only have an eight game regular season schedule. Shiner has, I think three bye weeks uh, in the season this year. So, um, you know, that playing this kind of schedule, you know, you would think going into playoffs would hurt them, but they're, they've got, you know, those three weeks to kind of rest up before the playoffs. So I, I think that's maybe why um, coach Bodecker just loaded up the non-district schedule so much is because of the extra time off they have during the season this year. So that's my first pick, Shiner and East Bernard. What is your first pick, Matthew? I'll go ahead and stay on the board with the, with the game that everyone kind of is talking about as the, the the big game this week, and that's the one versus two matchup, number one in 4A Division One versus number two in 4A Division One as undefeated Waco La Vega visits undefeated Argyle in a game that most people would say is, is the definite headline game in the state of Texas. And uh, – there's a little history between these two teams. They've played four times in the last two years, and in the regular season, Argyle's two and one against La Vega, or two and zero oh against La Vega, and La Vega's two and zero oh against Argyle in the playoffs. So it's a matter of in this game coming in, you know, Argyle I think has the more impressive win, going to Pleasant Grove and really dominating that game against the Hawks. But I think La Vega has the more impressive resume across the board with their with their three wins. Um, that being said, La Vega's got some issues on offense. You know, obviously, Aaron Rawls is out with an injury. They moved Jordan Rogers to quarterback uh, for a good portion of last week's games against Cal Allen. I think they found a little something, but that also takes away from their defense when you take Jordan Rogers off the defense and move him to offense. Um, Jarquay Walton had the big touchdown run last week in the win over Cal Allen, 21 to 13. But like I said, La Vega's only averaging about 20 points a game, less than that, actually. I, I believe they're. Their average is around 17 points a game. That's not going to get it done against Argyle. This Argyle offense with C.J. Rogers and that great offensive line and and 
and Jasper Lott and Cole Kirkpatrick. They they're just a flamethrower right now, and, and they were sluggish last week and still beat Salina thirty-five to twenty-one. So this shows you even on a sluggish night how dangerous Argyle is. And I well, think and I made the I made the point not to not to interrupt you, no, but no. I made the point a little earlier about like the the Argyle win over Salina. I don't know what it is, but Salina always plays Argyle super tough. Like they, they always, and I don't know. I think Bill Elliott just like like he just saved something up for him. Like he just like every every time they play, even if like I think for example, I think Argyle is like noticeably better than Salina this year. If that's a hot take, but I think it's true. Um, and yet that game was that game was in doubt. Like that game was a game in yeah. the fourth quarter, and 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 I think that that's just that's just that's just for some reason. Salina always matches up well with them. It's indicative of the rivalry, I think. And, and and Argyle, and I've said it on this podcast, I've said it on Twitter, Argyle is a team that the last few years has been has peaked early in the year. They, they are an early season juggernaut. And it's, it's not a slide against Argyle. It's just one of those things where, where I think with Argyle, what you're looking at weeks three, four, and five is is just about what the finished product is going to be. They're they're at such a they're operating at such a high level early in the year that they are they dismantle a lot of really good teams early in the season. Where most of the high school football teams you run into in Texas, they they don't peak until late October, early November is when they start to peak. And that's that's what I that's the kind of team that I think La Vega is. This is not a, a finished product with La Vega. I think this is a team that will get better and better as the year goes along, as Don Hyde's crew kind of gets their feet under them. And obviously, I think the offense will, will click at a higher level. But you're looking at this game week three, week four. I think Argyle's I don't want to say a significant favorite, but they're but they're a, a double digit favorite to me in this game at home. You know. With La Vega struggling on, on offense, I just don't think La Vega. I think La Vega's defense will hold Argyle somewhat in check, but holding Argyle in check means thirty to thirty-five points. I just don't think La Vega at this point has enough offense to score that at that kind of rate to keep up with Argyle at this point in the season. I entirely a hundred percent agree, and I think that that's one of the things that like. Uh, I'm going to take I'm like I'm picking Argyle in this game and that's like not a slight on La Vega because the script has always gone Argyle wins in the regular season La Vega wins in the playoffs and that's just kind of like those are that's how those those programs tend to go and and look I think Don Heidel tell you that like he doesn't I, that's not to say he doesn't he doesn't want to win every game but I think he looks at the at, at non-district as like opportunities to challenge yourselves to grow to figure out what you're not good at and to get better at. Uh, whereas, and I think that Argyle, you're right, Argyle comes out of the gates almost a finished product, like mm-hmm. every single year. That's just, that's how Todd Rogers, I don't know what it is about his offseason program, but like they start, they hit the ground running in week one. Yes, they, they are Vega, a flamethrower early in the year, yeah. Yeah, La, La Vega just kind of doesn't. And so one thing I'm very interested in, like, I'll be honest, like if, the, I, I, the other thing I think is interesting is if you take a look at who La Vega has already played, La Vega has not played a team that throws the ball no. basically at all. <laughs> like they've played like uh, Connolly doesn't really throw the ball. Cal, Cal Allen certainly doesn't throw the ball. And then Calhoun certainly doesn't throw the ball. Like those are run heavy teams. And so in many ways, early season defense first La Vega matches up pretty well with those teams. Yes. If you want to know how the La Vega secondary is going to be this year, 
here's your first real data point now. Yes. So because Argyle is going to throw it and push the ball down the field. Yes, they are. They are absolutely yeah. going to do that. And so uh, it would not be it would not be a surprise. Um, it would not be a surprise if Argyle won. Like it would not be a surprise if there are people who are like in our mentions on Saturday morning being like, "What's wrong with La Vega?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that strikes me as a very real possibility. And I'm going to be like nothing. Like this is just kind of what they do. And also yes. Argyle super good. Last year, what was it, forty nine to thirty five? I think Argyle won in La Vega last year, and it really was like it was like forty nine to twenty one going into the fourth quarter. Like it was, right? It was a, you know, it was it was a decided game going into the fourth quarter. So absolutely, it came back and won it in the in, in the playoffs. So I mean, it's just yeah, and, the nature of this and rivalry. Ask either, and ask either coach which one they'd they'd rather win. Yeah, you know, like so. Yeah, I'm. I'm 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 interested in it. I'm interested in it, but I also know that like history has shown us this is probably the first of two meetings, and so it's like I'm I'm only kind of interested in. It. Um, okay, so you took Argyle La Vega. My second pick, I am going to. I feel like we I feel like we have talked a lot about Iowa Park, and we're just going to continue to talk about Iowa Park. Uh, 7:30 p.m. Friday night at Hawk Stadium in IP. Uh, Brock heads to Iowa Park. Take on the Hawks, and um, it, it's it's a really I almost put it in that same vein as the Shiner East Bernard game, in the sense that you've got a team that's punching up. Brock is playing a, a, a classification above, and all I want to see, I want to see Brock get challenged because their first two games they have. Um, not. decidedly not been challenged <laughs> <laughs> no they have clobbered people and cash jones has been great that whole offense has been humming i mean they've just they've it, they've basically been out there in two games they've they've been able to name their score now i also think that this is a pretty significant step up in competition level mm-hmm. going on the road against an undefeated and i think very very solid um uh, iowa park team absolutely that that iowa park you know they were really they were really solid last year, and especially their quarterback Kirby Kohili was really solid last year. And I think he's very clearly taken a step forward, at least in the early going. He has been excellent. Um, and my big question in this one is: All right, like the 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 name of the game for Iowa Park is don't get blown out in the first like. Tw- uh, 30 minutes. Don't get blown out in the first two and a half quarters. Because if this game is is within reach late, A, Brock has never been in a game like that. At least not this season. They haven't been in a game where they've had to play four quarters, basically. And B, Iowa Park, in the second half, and especially like in the fourth quarter, is like this other team. Yeah, they're like just a juggernaut. That that you know, where, where was this team? Their first three quarters, they scored the final twenty eight points to beat Canadian last week against Burke Burnett, and, and I don't think Burke Burnett's like a, a world beater, but they they rattled off thirty five unanswered to finish the game. Like something clicks for Iowa Park late, and so if you're I if you're IP, you're say, hey, you know what? Let's just keep them within arm's length. Let's find out what the, let's see. Let's make them struggle. Like make them, and and in a lot of ways. Go back to last year with Brock. Go back to like, that's kind of what Pospero did. 
was Brock was kind of beating teams up, and and, and even in the in the even the before then when they lost to Malakoff, like in the in that semifinal, kind of the book on the way to beat Brock is they beat the tar out of a lot of teams, but if you keep them close. And make it where all you got to do is make a couple of plays. Like, they just don't have a ton of experience in close games. Yeah, and, because they, and, their scores are so lopsided, yeah. And and I wonder if Chad Worrell scheduled this game so that his team would, be, would play a close game late. Because I think that's important for them going forward. As a team we think has a great chance to win a state championship, they, they've They've got to get better. They've got to have some experience playing close games. Yeah, because really in their district, I mean, other, you know, Pilot Point beat them in district last year, but then they brought got the revenge. But this year, I don't. Pilot Point's a little down this year. I'm not sure anyone in Brock's district is really going to push them like I like Pilot Point did last year. So you're looking right. at you know a, a situation where if Brock doesn't get pushed this week, they may not get pushed until the second or third round of the playoffs. Um, I know. I do it's think, a, I think a, Iowa Park keeps it close. Um, I, I think this game, this game will be competitive. I like Brock. I think Brock's got a little bit too much. That they're, they're not a typical three AD one team when it comes to depth. Um, I think Brock's got enough to, to hold off an Iowa Park charge, but I think Iowa Park um, definitely keeps this thing competitive. I I agree as well. I think that I think I think I agree in like on all counts that this is a team that yes, I believe they are going to be. Um, I think that this is a team that 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 Brock's the better team, and Brock's going to be the team that ends up winning. But I also think that Iowa Park is good enough to keep this thing close, and if they're good enough to keep this thing close, they're darn good enough to win it. And so that's what I am very interested in: is can they can they keep it close, and can they can they land a punch on Brock? Because we just haven't seen Brock take a punch yet this season. So I am interested in Brock and Iowa Park. What is your second pick? The, the second game is actually the game I'm going to be at Friday night. As three and O Shallow Water visits three and O Childress, my first ever visit to Fair Park Stadium in beautiful Childress, hmm. and you know this game, you've got Shallow Water, a team in three A Division One, who I believe they, they they broke into the poll, didn't they? Tepper, are they are they state ranked? Uh, Shallow Water, yeah, I, I, I yeah. got the rankings up. Hold on, yeah, I'm pretty sure we put them in the rankings. Shallow Water, I thought they were ninth. That seems right. Shallow Water is now seventh. Seventh, okay. Or Childress. I don't think Childress has made the top ten in Division Two as of yet, but they're, they're probably nine. In, okay, so you've got two top ten. So they didn't, they didn't make it this week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Shallow Water got pushed last week, though. They, you know, Level Land is a, a probably I'd say they're I'd consider Level Land an average four A team, and they they took you know they took Shallow Water to overtime last week, but Shallow Water uh, backs Towns and their quarterback got it done. They had. They had 300 yard rushers in the in the game last week in a 52 to 46 win over Level Land. You kind of know what Shallow Water is going to do. They are going to run the football. Um, Childress, on the other hand, is a lot more balanced on offense. In fact, Childress is probably a little more pass heavy uh, with quarterback Colin Bishop and his two wide receivers, uh, Lamont Nickelberry and Devron Sims, who are probably among among the best wide receiver duo uh, in Class 3A at any level. Um, Childers can really push the ball down the field. They can really um, stretch defenses, and they've really their offense has just been unstoppable through three weeks. Now they haven't played um, a great early season schedule. Panhandle's a good team, but they're they're a two A team, um, and then they 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 blew out Stanford last week, fifty eight to fourteen. And if you look at Childers' second game, I don't think they really played a strong opponent either. As I quickly looked that up while I'm talking and vamping. Um, Childers played Perryton in week two, so that's a four A opponent, but you know, a very below a below average four A team. So, 
mean, Childress hasn't been pushed. So this will be our, our first real test to see Childress and how they potentially could handle some adversity um, in a game where I think they're playing against an opponent that's in their, in, in their weight class, maybe a little bit above their weight class. Um, mm-hmm. I think the defenses are key in this one. I like Childress. They're, they're tough to beat in Fair Park Stadium. And I also think Childress's run defense is, is a lot better than people think. I think the way to beat Childress is to put the ball in the air. That's why Canadian a lot of times has, has had so much success against Childress because they've been able to put the ball in the air and throw, throw the ball. Childress's front seven is usually pretty good on defense, and I think they'll get enough stops against Shallow Water, and I'm not sure Shallow Water's defense is going to be able to um, – hold up against that aerial assault that Childers brings to the table. But I think this is going to be a great game and a really great early season test for both teams who, who we think highly of in class three, a, yeah, I think that's a, I think it's an excellent pick, and and yeah, shallow water has been a team that I would categorize as like a fast riser, like a team that whose stock has risen through th- during the first couple of weeks, and Childers is kind of that same way, and so this is a, I think this is a better game than. If you had told me before the season, said, hey, week four, I'm going to go see Childress in shallow water, I'd be like, okay, like that's that's an okay game. But I think that both of their stocks have steadily risen, and now it's like, oh, no, that's a that's an excellent game. And it should be it should be something that we that we'll we'll find out a lot about both these teams, too. So I like that game. Let me write that down so that I can map it accordingly on the website. Okay. Shallow water Childress, your second pick. My third pick. Oh man, where am I going to go here? I don't even. Know. Some good games on the board still. There are some good games on the board. I think I'm gonna take. Who? Yeah, because now it's like now it's like it's a really deep week. All right, you know what? I'm gonna screw it. Let's go to Lano. Oh. Lano America. Hashtag yep. send pickle home. Hashtag we send pickle home. Hang we the mission it. accomplished banner. We did it. <laughs> uh, the Lano Yellow Jackets, undefeated, three and zero, will draw the San Saba Armadillos. Armadillos. And, and Ashley Pickle will be at this game. We have uh, we have cleared it with Fox that, that we're going to go there. She will be wearing her uh, little – she'll be she'll be waving her pom-pom and she'll be waving her little – the little banner. What Like the little uh, little pennant. Yeah, <laughs> a little, a little pennant. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> seriously, Tepper. Pickle on, on Monday, didn't, didn't, didn't she – like she caught you in the office and didn't she like push you up against the wall and like yeah. just kind of hold you by your collar and just say, you're going to send me to Sam Saba and Lano. You're she, she threatened you, didn't she? She did. Absolutely. And, yeah. and it was, it was scary, but you know what? We, uh, we, we got through, uh, and, and I just, I did what she asked. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, San Saba, I think, I think part of it is that San Saba, San Saba is not a star power team this year. They've been a star power team the past couple of years. Yes, They've been a team. Salinas and Sean O'Keefe, yeah. Yes, they've been a star power team. This is a lot more kind of blue collar, mm-hmm. like just, just, just kind of a gritty team. Yeah, exactly. Like they run the ball well with Stone Sears. Their quarterback, uh, Re- I think it's Reason. Reason Shahan is like solid. Does what the game asks him to do. And no most important, Jay Raja. 
Yeah. And, and most importantly, they just play they play really good defense. Like they just they they shut you down and they go out there and they they play really good defense. Now, I also don't know if you take a look at their at their record, you know, they, their their signature win right now is beating Rodgers. Like they beat Rodgers 24-21 in a game that that they got um they got pushed. Uh, they beat Mate they beat Mason last week, which, oh boy. So we, we, we need to have a discussion about Mason. They're, they're, they're really, they're, they're 0-3 and their offense dude. is actually bad right now. And they're, they've got wall this week. So dude, I, their, their offense is like, oh, okay, oh, I'm pulling up right now. They have scored. They've scored six points in three games, man. It's hashtag now, actually bad. Now, now look. Two of those games are against Comfort and San Saba, okay? But, like, six points in three games is not – anyway, I'm sorry. That's that's neither here nor there. I don't want to spend this time bearing Mason. Uh, going up against Lano, and Lano is kind of a superstar team. It's time to start talking about Case Kirkendall. Yeah, like, he's putting up some crazy – he's our Mr. Texas football player of the week in week one, and he's put up big numbers – Every week, I mean, Lano's offense right now is just on fire, and and yeah. Matt Green is, you know, Matt Green's comes from that Chad Morris uh, kind of pedigree of offensive play calling, and they're going to run up tempo. They're going to they're going to they're going to try to score a lot of points, and boy, have they been doing it. They have um, been doing it really well, and look, this is a this is a team that like I'm not I'm not ready to vault them into that like because I because with all due respect, they play Gatesville, they play Sonora, they play Bandera. They realistically should be three and zero right now. Like yes. they, they, they should be. They should be three and zero. They're where they should be. They win this game, and it's like okay, we're all sitting up, we're all paying attention. It is apparently yeah. homecoming for this it game. Is, it is. Um, and and it's gonna be. It's gonna. It, this is a big game. This is look, man. And, and I'll be honest. Like it's been a while since like Lano was like. This is a big game coming to town. Relevant for a statewide. I mean, Lana was was solid last year. Got to the area playoffs as a four A school, but being a four A school, they've kind of always been in the shadow of like Wimberley and, and those kind of Quero and Region Four. Mm-hmm. Um, dropping down to three A, you know, I thought Lano had a chance to really make some noise this year, and I think that's the that's where I think this game is key for Lano. This is a school that really, in essence, still has four A numbers. Um, in the football program, playing a 2A in San Saba. Um, and that's why yeah. I think Lano, this is a game Lano should win in the fourth quarter because I think that up-tempo offense, I think they have a chance to wear San Saba down a little bit. Yeah. So f- furthermore, though, if this is like, you know, I think coming into the year, because they did lose so much star power, we were a little hesitant to jump on board the San Saba train. Like, thought they are going to be good, but maybe not like – like super, like super. Kind of Cisco kind of has stolen some of their thunder in their own district. Yeah. You know, they're in the same exactly. district as Cisco. Yeah. So they win this game, going on the road to beat a, an undefeated three A team. Getting start, serious. Yeah, yeah. San Saba starts to now take some take notice to get into that that top three, top four kind of discussion to a division one. So I'm taking Lano and San Saba. Uh, we'll see. I'm sure Pickle is just going to be insufferable if if, if Lana wins this game. She's, but she has to put on her unbiased reporter hat when she's doing her look-ins for Fox Southwest, though. So like, how, how bad would it look if Fox cuts in and, and, and Pickle's got her Lano pennant out and her old homecoming mom and, you know, and, and it's just... She's been named homecoming queen, yeah. like, somehow... 
Yeah, or she gets into a fight with the homecoming queen because she's trying to take her crown back. I mean, just there's all kinds of potential for fun, fun and shenanigans in Lano on Friday night. So I'm, I'm sure Pickle I'm will handle it as a true pro. It's just me, me and you can't handle the, handle these kind of things, really. No, no, I'm gonna have Pickle a lot will more be fun. Just fine. Yeah, she'll do fine. I'm just I'm gonna have a lot of fun imagining the kind of nonsense that she's going to get into. So, well, is, is Ren, uh, are you gonna let Renner know that that, that she's a Lano alum that she's at home because Ren, Renner Renner's down for bits. Oh, don't you worry. We there okay. will be bits. There okay, will be good. Bits. Excellent. Right. What is your third pick? I'm going to China Spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the China Spring Cougars, who have a great color scheme, by the way, light blue, light blue, and dark blue and white choice. Mm-hmm. Love the color scheme for China Spring. Uh, they're off to a three zero start, and we, you know we thought that China Spring. Uh, had a chance to be really good this year, and, uh, with especially dropping down from Division One to Division Two, with a lot of experience back, um, and and they've they've been really good. Emmanuel Abdallah has just been putting up big numbers every week. Um, they rolled past, um, you know, they, they had they had a big win last week over Brownwood. Um, you know, Major Bowden at quarterback has has been really good. Um, this is a China Spring Spring team that that from a team you know Brownwood they beat Brownwood last week and one of the things that Brownwood said was they were really surprised by the team speed that China Spring brought to the table. Um, they're going to need that team speed this week because they are taking on one of the most dynamic offensive units that we've seen in quite some time in the Lampasas Badgers, who are led by a dude named Ace Whitehead who continues to put up video game numbers week after week after week. And Lamp passes, you know, they score 50 points like it's no big deal. I mean, it's just like, oh, hum, another day at the office for Lamp passes. Um, they took Wimberley to the woodshed last week, 57 to 28. And that game, that score is not, that, that game was 51 to 14 in the third quarter. I mean, this Lamp passes team is, is just sensational. I think, Lampasas' team speed will be able to match up with China Spring, and I think where Lampasas gets the edge is their offensive line is doesn't get talked about real, a lot, but they are big, they are physical, and they are nasty. And I think that unit is really the was what that unit and Ace Whitehead is what separates Lampasas from China Spring in this ballgame. The thing that impresses me most is that this is this is the it's you know what's coming kind of like you know. You know who the target is when you play land passes. Like you just have to stop Ace Whitehead. If you stop Ace Whitehead, I'm pretty sure the the, the like the rest of the guys on that team, and he's far from alone. I want to be clear. Like Jack Jerome, they're running back. They got another running back, Kate Brister. Mm-hmm. They're solid. But like, if you were to hold, if you were to be like, okay, we're just gonna make sure that Ace Whitehead doesn't beat us. If you were to do that, land passes would be they'd be still be good, but like they wouldn't be you know, a world beater, but instead every single week, like you can key on him. You can do anything you want. And they find, he finds a way to beat you. Like he finds a way to put up numbers and not just like 200 yards. And then like 30 yards rushing. It's like, no, he's going to throw for like 340, and he's going to run for another 120. Like every week. And and he'll have four touchdowns passing, two touchdowns rushing. It's just week after week after week, just insane numbers. He's, yeah, he's just he's you know he's a D one baseball commit, but he's such a good football player because he's got. I, I saw Lamp passes in person twice last year, and his feel for the game, 
it's just like he it's it's uncanny he knows when to run he knows when to when to look downfield he he's he moves around with a purpose and he, when he but when he moves out of the pocket his head is always up and he's got a great arm and he can he can put the ball in places where most people can't and then when they can't put it in, when he can't throw the ball he can tuck it up and run and run because he runs like a running back in the open field he he's just the whole package and go back and watch their game against Carthage last year a Carthage team that won the state championship and see the kind of problems that the Carthage Carthage and Scott Surratt's defense had trying to contain Ace Whitehead. He's he's special and, and he's been a pleasure to watch and I'm glad we're getting to see him for one more year. Amazing. Um simply amazing. Uh yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting because I think China Springs legit. And I think I think what they did last week really flew under the radar. Uh, against Brownwood, right? They went to Brownwood. Good, went to went to Gordon Wood Stadium and beat beat a good Brownwood team by twenty one. Yeah, beat them handily. That's impressive. So I am I am very very interested in in this game and and you know if 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 China Spring can can put up something here then like watch out because so the computer loves land passes the computer has land passes actually as a number one team in four A Division one not Argyle or La Vega and I I think part of it is like the computer really values style points. And La Vega does not do style points. Argyle no. had style points, and then they played Salina, and Salina kind of slogged it up. Kind of mucked uh, it up Lamp- a little bit, yeah. Yeah, Lane passes every single week. They put up style points. If China Spring goes in there and, and gives them a real run, and especially if like, especially if if Abdallah can have a big game, then like suddenly I think you start talking about China Spring as like, okay, like let's have this conversation about how good this team is. So I think that's pretty good. So okay, you got China Spring Lane passes. I'm just I'm just going to talk about it as if it's going to happen because I feel like if I if I talk about it enough it'll just happen and and you can't uh, you can't tell me otherwise. Um, let's let's talk about West Orange Stark and Newton. Okay, uh, it's going to happen, right? Yes, West Orange Stark is practicing this week and uh, they are scheduled to play their first game. Uh, they are, I've talked to a couple of their assistant coaches online on Twitter and and they are they're they are they're 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 ready to go on Friday night. Like how wild is it that we are now into week like it's 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 truly 2020 that like we're into week number four mm-hmm. and just now just now we're gonna get to see a state title contender like yes. just now. now let's make um, this is not COVID related. Westward Stark has not had any issues with COVID. This is this is related to Hurricane Laura that hit um hit you know it, Louisiana was primarily hit hard but you know Orange County there is right on the border um and and they got they got hit pretty hard and West Orange Stark another stadium and field house uh took some damage and the, and the town didn't have power for almost two weeks so their their kids are just now kind of filtering back into town and that kind of they started practicing I think last Wednesday so they, they, they were hit pretty hard so keep keep those folks down there in your thoughts for sure they, they've been dealing with sure. stuff down there so we're going to get a chance to see, really, in a lot of ways, the first normal, quote-unquote, normal week for both these teams. So West Orange Stark's going to play their first game, hopefully, knock on wood. And we're going to get a, we're going to get a look at um, the, the the Blue Link defense. And Good job. Uh, I need to make sure I thanks. say that, too. Blue Link, yeah. Thanks. The Blue Link defense. Uh, if I keep saying it, I'll just uh, it'll get stuck in my head. Yeah, muscle memory. Uh, t- Tyrone Brown, et cetera. But the one thing that I think is really interesting about West Orange Stark this year is for the first time in like a long time, they have a quarterback who's back, who it feels like they can build an offense around in Jaron Terrell. 
Yeah, it's, like, been, since, it's been since Jack Dallas left. I mean, Jack Dallas yeah. was the last one because they've had a, they've kind of had a rotating, you know, the the next man, next senior up that's been playing quarterback, that kind of thing. Yeah, but finally they've got a guy in Jaron Terrell who was really solid last year. Uh, you know, threw for fourteen hundred yards, solid by the, the like by the like by what Cornell Thompson wants to do offensively, yeah. which is like, they're not throwing for three hundred and five touchdowns. Yeah, they're not NS. You know what I mean? They're not they're not airing it out like that. But like what they are is like they they're going to run the ball with Elijah Gales and they're going to throw the ball a little bit with Jaron Terrell going up against Newton. Who, as we mentioned off the top, like I don't put any stock in that game that they played. First of all, I mean it's a it's a, it's a four A team in Jasper, and it's a good four A team. Um, and it was made at the last minute. I don't put a ton of stock in that. But it is worth mentioning. It's worth talking about Newton because, like, they are definitely like a work in progress. Like, yes. put aside last week. Like, don't like like ignore the fact that that even happened. Just talk about them in the, as if this is the first game of the year. And we're talking about a team that's like got a lot of rebuilding to do, got a lot of pieces to replace. And they got a couple guys back like DeAnthony Gatson, uh, they, like, like Nate Williams. But like those are the exceptions. They've only got nine lettermen back from last year. Like this is a reload, a rebuild, yeah. whatever you want to call it, for Drew Johnston. And so in, in a lot of ways, what I think is interesting about this game is that this is our first true glimpse of two teams that are traditionally good enough to win a state championship, traditionally good enough to be a problem deep in the playoffs, and we're finally going to get an actual look at both of them. I think Newton, having played last week, even though they got drilled, I think having played and having a week under their belts um, a game will, will serve them well. I th- you know, I, I wouldn't get into comp- you know if Newton hangs around with West Orange Stark. I think West Orange Stark wins the game. I think they're, they're just mm-hmm. clearly a little more experienced, a little bit better. But I don't think you can draw a lot of comparisons between West Orange Stark and Jasper by looking at the results of the Newton game. I think Newton's going to be a lot sharper this week and a lot better. And I think West Orange Stark's going to be probably week one kind of sloppy, um, that kind of thing. Where Jasper last week had already played a couple of games, so they were already kind of in in that week three form. So. I think you'll see a sharper West Orange Stark. I mean, a sharper Newton. Uh, they'll keep the game a closer West Orange Stark, but I still think West Orange Stark, eventually the senior experience uh, will will play out. But don't draw any conclusions between West Orange Stark and Jasper by the results of the Newton game. I I, entire, I entirely agree. So I'm just interested from just a let's get a lay of the land in 4A Division Two and in 3A. Like, let's just figure it out. And so I'm interested in West Orange Stark and Newton. So – that's my fourth pick. What is your fourth pick, Matthew? I'm going to go to Carthage. And where the Carthage Bulldogs are not playing again this week, um, as of now, they have not found a game. But Carthage is hosting a game this week as the Pleasant Grove Hawks take on the Silsby Tigers. And uh, this is a really good measuring stick for us with Silsby to see how good the Silsby team is. I think we, we have a good idea of Pleasant Grove. Even though he lost to Argyle, I think uh, you can tell that Pleasant Grove um, is still going to be really strong this year in the Division Two ranks, and, and they kind of took out some frustrations last week on. That's a good Paris. That's, Paris is no slouch. They, no. Paris beat Salina. Like, last week, two weeks ago, Paris beat Salina. So it's not a slouch team, and Pleasant Grove just drilled them 35-7. to um, They're a little banged up, especially at the running back spot, but with uh, Nick Martin and Logan Johnson, they still have uh, two really good guys to lean on. But, but you know, Jalen Bordley, the freshman, didn't play last week. They're hoping to get him back. Um, I thought quarterback Jalen Woodside continues to improve week in and week out. You know what you're getting from Landon Jackson and that and that 
Hawks defense. Um, going up against a Silsby team that, you know, they, they played about a half against Jasper two weeks ago. Uh, the game got called in the second quarter. It was declared a no contest. Jasper was up 20 to 14, but Silsby was right there in that game. And then last week they, they, they kind of blew past Lumberton 56 to 14 in a game that, you know, that you expect Silsby to blow Lumberton out. Silsby's just got mm-hmm. more playmakers. Malik Jones had a huge game for the Tigers. I think this week, this is going to be your first four-quarter test for Silsby to see how the Tigers uh, stack up against a team in Pleasant Grove that we think um, is is one of the top two or three teams in the, in the classification. So this is a real measuring stick game for, for Silsby, who's been to the state semifinals the last two years but hasn't gotten over that hump. I mean, this could have been easily been a state championship matchup the last two years if Silsby had to run into Quero and Wimberley in, in the semifinals. So um, I think this is going to be a great test for Silsby. I, I like Pleasant Grove. Um, I think their dominance in the trenches is really going to wear Silsby down, and I just don't think Silsby – even though their skills, skill position players are really, really good, I feel like Pleasant Grove's up front is just going to be too much, and they're just going to lean on Silsby and wear him down in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that that's. I think that's probably what I see. But like, from an explosiveness perspective, like Silsby's the explosive team here. Like Silsby's the team that's going to have the opportunity to like house it every time they have the ball, and and so that will make this really interesting. Is like can. Can Pleasant Grove, which was not able to kind of keep a cap on Argyle offensively, can they do that against Silsby? That's something that I, I I'm partic- I'm going to be watching particularly closely. So that's an excellent pick. My fifth and final pick, Matthew. I I have two choices. I'll tell you what I'm not choosing. I'm not choosing as much as it pains me. Um, or am I? Am I going to take the Battle of the Antelopes? Am I going to take Post and Abernathy? It's a good one. Yeah, I'm going to take it. I was uh, apologies to Blum and Jonesboro. I was going to go six man. That's a really good six man game, by the way. Uh, but I'm going to go Post and Abernathy. And if you have not been paying attention to Abernathy, they have been beating the crap out of people, just like beaten the absolute breaks off of everyone they've seen. They've outscored opponents by 140 points in three games. Okay? They've outscored their opponents by 140 points in three games. And it's easy to see why. Like, obviously, look, this is a team that played for... It's not a surprise that they're doing this because they're they are playing really well. And they're, you know, they played for a title last year. And, 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 and a lot of those key components are back. And by the way, a lot of those key components are still really young. Right, like we talked about this on this on the show, but like um, that that running back, that Ashton Jefferson, like he's a sophomore this year, you know what I mean? Like or junior this year. Like they have a lot of key components back this year that are really young and really really talented, uh, who have a lot of experience under their belt. They have just been clobbering fools, just absolutely. They beat Tolar seventy to fourteen. They beat Forsan thirty nine seven. They beat Littlefield fifty eight to six. Well, here's a step up in 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 competition for sure in Abernathy. And look, Abernathy, I'll be honest, in week one, uh, they lost to Shallow Water 26 to 6, and I got real nervous. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is just like is is the Justin Wiley era gonna be off to a bad start? Um and then I think I realized that this is just a different kind of Abernathy team. Like the past couple of years, especially with Bryson Daly, the quarterback spot, 
like we've just become really accustomed to them just like big high powered offenses, right? You know, like the, the, they're going to put up a lot of points. That's just not how they do things. And I think last week, last week they go and they beat Sundown twenty one to six, like a pretty good Sundown team, I should say. I think it's a solid Sundown team. Being twenty one to six, I think it's just time to realize that, like, okay, throw out the book on what you think you know about Abernathy. This is a defensive team. This is just a they're going to win games in that old school slugfest type of way. Um, because that's where their strength is, and and the the, the linebacker core, uh, led by uh, uh, led by Matthew McAnda, is just going to be or Deanda rather is going to be like the strength of this team. What happens when they run into a really good like versatile offense in post? Who also, by the way, has only given up as I mentioned twenty seven points all year. But this is a big step up for them in competition. Like for sure, like, for sure. If you were to if you were to rank the six opponents that these two teams have played, Abernathy has played definitely two of the top three. Like. Uh, or at least the top two, depending on what you think of Slayton, like they, they've played the tougher schedule. So interesting matchup here. Uh, this one in post at Jimmy Redmond Memorial Stadium. I lean towards post, but I do think I'm, I'm very interested. Like this is a great data point for Abernathy to figure out like, okay, are they just this new low scoring, hard hitting, physical grind you out team? Because if they can get, they they can play post in that kind of game. Then they can play they can play basically anybody in that kind of game. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think post. Um, you know, we talked about post last year a lot. You know, towards the end of the year, they, when they we kind of realized they were they were on the radar. I, I'm starting to wonder if this post team is even better. Yeah, I mean, Slayton Pittman, Ashton Jefferson. They've got that great young linebacker um, in Crawford. Who I, we're talking about a kid who's getting. Division one looks as a sophomore at linebacker. I, I just like this post. post. Yeah, I feel like this post. <laughs> like I hate, like I hate to say that, but like if yeah. you're getting noticed at post, like okay. And, and they're throwing the ball well, and when post is able to throw the ball well, they're almost unstoppable. So um, I, I think Abernathy is going to get better. They're still a work in progress. This post team is experienced. They played for a state title last year, and just about all those guys are back and you saw them in person last year. And I know you were really impressed with them uh, mm-hmm. in the two times that you saw them in person. This is, this is an elite team and a team that, that I think is, is an AT&T stadium type team again this year. So I think, I think post is going to take this one again this year. I mean, post beat Abernathy last year. And yeah. We're talking about Abernathy, Abernathy team led by Bryson Daly. They don't have Bryson Daly this year. And almost all those guys are post or back. Yeah. I like it. Okay. What is your fifth and final pick, Matthew? Tough choice here. I'm, I'm get, gone back and forth, but I'm going for a district ball game as mm. the district opener in 15-2A Division One. As Schulenberg at three and O visits state ranked Flatonia at three and O. Lots of playoff implications in this game. This is a five team district. These two schools are in. They're they're starting district play early just to make sure they get their district games in. They they've got a couple of non district games I think still to play, but. These two teams, I mean, this this game, the winner of this game, you know, because you look at the district and Shiner clearly is the favorite in the district. I think this game could could easily, you know, you're looking at a battle for second place here because every game between those other four teams, because um, I think Weimer is is a, another team in the district in, I think it's Ganado, I think. Ganado, yeah. And Ganado's off to an 0-3 start, but I'm not yeah. ready to throw dirt on them. 
yeah, these are four really good teams that are going to be fighting it out. And, and so I think the winner of this game, if you want to get that higher playoff seed, um, you want to get this, you want to get this win under your belt. Um, Schulenberg drilled Yorktown last week, 28 to seven, held negative five yards rushing, but you know, Yorktown, Yorktown's not what we would call a powerhouse team. Agreed. Flatoni, on the other hand, Fall City's down. I think we, we're, we've kind of come to that yes. conclusion, but Fall City's We can We can safely say that now. But still a solid team, and, and, and Flatonia beats them 34-7. to seven. Uh, This sophomore quarterback, Keyshawn Green, has really improved. He threw a couple touchdown passes, ran for a score last week. He's really a dynamic playmaker. Uh, Flatonia's defense – you know, shutting down that fall city rushing attack is no easy, no easy task either. Um, and, and, you know, you look at Schulenberg and I, I think Schulenberg, you know, is much improved this year. They are, they are a vastly improved ball club, and I think they're going to be in that playoff discussion, but I think Flatonia at home with the experience that they had last year and playing those big games and making the third round of the playoffs, I think Flatonia gets the edge here, but this is a this is a pick 'em ball game, and yeah. and Schulenberg's going to have a little bit better depth because you know Flatonia just just moved up from Division two to Division one, and Schulenberg is almost a three A Division two school, so I think Schulenberg's going to have that depth edge here, but I think Flatonia has that big game experience and being at home, I think that tips the scales uh, to the Bulldogs. Well, and one thing that I think is interesting is like we had some um, – one thing I had some questions about is remember Schulenberg's got a new coach in Walter Brock who comes over from Granger and like you want to talk about like having no off season. Like he gets hired late March. Well, I want to say late March. And yeah. so I, like I don't think he saw his kids for like two months. Yeah. And Walter Brock's a good coach. He did a heck of a job at Granger. And, and you can already see the dividends he's there that, that, that are paying off in Schulenberg. But I agree. I think Schulenberg's still a little bit of a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in this matchup. And and yeah, you're right. Like like major impl- like legit playoff implications here in week four. Yes. Um, love it. That's a good pick. So there is your draft. Uh, I took Shiner, East Bernard, Brock, Iowa Park, Lano, San Saba, West Orange, Stark, Newton, and Post Abernathy. Step took Argyle, La Vega, Childress, Shallowwater, China Spring Lane Passes, Pleasant Grove, Silsby, and Schulenburg, Flatonia. It is now time for the hipster game of the week. And I am a little worried you're going to take mine, but I'm going to let you go first. And I really, okay. if you take mine, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be very mad. I'm just. I, I want that on the record that if you take mine, right. I reserve right. the right to be very my, mad. My game is a three A versus a four A. I think we're good. Okay. I think. Yeah. All right. I'm going down to Hondo. Ooh. Okay. We're good. As the two and one Marion Bulldogs visit three and zero oh Hondo. I'll say what Hondo. I tweeted about them yesterday. Hondo very quietly off to a strong start under new head coach, Joe Dale Carey. And, you know, Coach Carey, when he left Crandall, you know, went to Hondo. A lot of people were a little bit puzzled by that move. But Coach Carey was really fired up about it and told me Hondo, he, he thought it had a lot of potential. And he loves that part of the state. And, and he's fit right in at Hondo. And those kids are, are running through walls for him right now. Um, Marion, I've seen Marion this year. I saw him in the season opener against Carn City. Um, their, their linebacker, Jaden Williams, is, is legit as a prospect. He's, he's big time. Um, he's a Division One player for Marion. Uh, but but I, I like Honda. I think Hondo has a chance to really surprise people in 4A Division Two. And I think at home at, at beautiful Berry Field, I, I think the Owls go to 4-0 here uh, with, with, a, with a tough test against Marion, a good Marion team. But I think Hondo's got enough to get the win in a, in a real kind of sleeper game down in South Texas, San Antonio area. I, 
I think I think that's a good pick, most notably because it's not the game that I have. But yes, I do think. Um, yeah, I got some high hopes for Hondo. I think they've. Uh, I think maybe they figure something out um, there, and, and and that would be be fun to see them uh, see them keep rolling. But uh, yeah, uh, Marion who just lost last week to Comfort. Comfort, by the way, three and zero as well. Comfort's um, another one that's rolling. Mm-hmm. Rolling under the radar. Okay, Matt Step. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to be doing when the biggest game in Parker County is going on? When undefeated meets undefeated at Bulldog Stadium as the Millsap Bulldogs welcome in the Paradise Panthers in a matchup of unbeatens. There you go. And Paradise uh, Paradise has really surprised me early this year. I, I thought Boyd was kind of the team to watch as the, under the radar in, the, in that district. And Paradise is really off to a great start. Paradise has been great. And like the thing is, so Paradise is, I, I think, are they 2 0 or are they 3 0? Paradise is 2 0. They've got wins this week or this, this year over Bridgeport and Nakona, and their offense has been humming. They got a quarterback named Trey Valentine, who's a dual threat guy. He was excellent against them, against Nakona. They, 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 they jumped out to a 43 0 lead at halftime and never looked back. Going up against Millsap and Coach Jake Johnson. Uh, they are three and zero, and and again, like they've beaten Bruce Villetti, Although they did beat Dillion last week, which is they beat Dillion, they beat Henrietta. Like they got a couple nice wins under their belt, and they beat Bruce Villetti in the opener. Um, they are humming offensively, like they run this pro style offense, and and they've got a they've got a quarterback named Lawson Nairn that they don't really ask to do a whole lot, but they spread the ball around uh, to a bunch of different guys as a team. They are averaging nine point seven yards per carry as a team. They've got a they've got a that's wide good. receiver. That's, that's solid. I'll, I'll take that. They've got a wide receiver named Nathan Sykes. Nathan Sykes is uh, caught five hundred fifteen yards of worth of receiving last year, uh, and it was his first year playing football last year. Now he's a senior, and they're just they're just really really solid. Now now look if you're looking for like. Um, like implications for down the road, they're in the uh, let's see, what are they in? They they in the Comanche district. Um, is that right? Yeah, Comanche, Merkel, that car, that part of the world. Um, this is a really interesting matchup of unbeaten's two teams that I think are kind of surprises right now, and one of them is going to be undefeated coming out of this and feeling pretty good about themselves. Absolutely, you go four and zero, and you're you're almost halfway through the season at undefeated. Yeah, exactly. You're you're loving and, life a little bit. Exactly, and and so I am very interested. You know, Paradise is coming off of a bye, and then they start they start district play next week, and they're into that. They're in the district with Brock and Pilot Point and stuff like that. If they win this game, look, you start thinking playoffs. Although, look, Peaster's off to a great start. Um, Boyd's off to a great start. Uh, uh, Bowie's off to a great start. Heck, Ponder's two and one. That yeah, whole district has been playing. Yeah. Um, but they they win this game, and suddenly you're you're thinking good things about Paradise. Millsap, on the other hand, they're in that Eastland, Merkel, Comanche, Dublin, Jacksboro district, and they win this game. They get Santo next week, and look, like you know, depending on what East, Eastland, I think will come around. But like, why not them? Yeah. Well, why not? I agree. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. I'm taking Millsap and Paradise as my hipster game. That's All right. real hipster. I like it. 
Sep, what is your road trip like this week? Thursday, I am headed to East Texas, where I will be watching uh, a game that I think has a chance to be a, bl- a little bit of a blowout, but it's Thursday night and the pickings are slim uh, right now. Um, Wascom is visiting ARP, and ARP is 0-3, and they have not scored a point all year. Oh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I, think, I don't think they scored. Wascom, Wascom is, um, you know, obviously a powerhouse in three division two. We, we think highly of them. They're two and zero right now. Uh, I think Wascom kind of rolls in this game, but it's a great chance for me to uh, get out to ARP and see a game at a stadium I've never been to before and get get eyes on uh, the Wascom Walk uh, Coach Whitney Whitney Keeling squad. Mm-hmm. So uh, good chance to see Wascom and see what they're working with. Uh, and then Friday night, I've already mentioned it, I'm going out to Childress to watch uh, Shallow Water and Childress in a game that I think is going to be really, really good and uh, a, a real measuring stick for both games and teams. And then Saturday is right now there's no there, there are no games that are scheduled in the state of Texas uh, that I'm aware of uh, for Saturday. Wow. Now, it's possible, you know, the last couple of weeks we've had extra games thrown in on Saturday late because of weather-related issues. Uh, I don't think we're going to have any weather, bad weather in the state of Texas this week. Um, so it looks like your war on weather is uh, working out okay. But, um, you know, if someone if a late-scheduled game gets uh, – you, you guys want to move your game to Saturday, uh, there's a greater than zero chance that Step will show up. So, you know, just yeah. – Wow. Last week. Off, I went to, you know, I had I was originally scheduled last week to go to Martin Anowak, but then when Clyde and Riesel decided to play in Dublin on a Saturday afternoon, I was like, this is even closer. Why not? And so I was like, Clyde and, and by the way, Dublin's new stadium is gorgeous. They did a great a brand new stadium. It's really nice. Yeah, I went to, I I've been the last time I went to Dublin, I was in Dublin was probably five, six years ago, and I think they were still in that old their, their old pub they're all part, but I knew that they were, they were looking at renovations. So, or a new yeah, stadium, they, so. yeah, I went to the wrong stadium. That's a first for me. I don't, I don't usually do that, but I went because <laughs> I was under the impression that, that they, that they remodeled the old stadium in downtown because the old stadium is basically downtown. I was under the impression they re, they just remodeled that. Well, I pulled up and the stadium is still there, but there's only, only bleachers on one side now. And there was like a little kid's flag football game going on. And I was like, this isn't the right place. So then I looked it up and found out the stadium is at the the new high school campus uh, right there off Highway 6, just a little bit west of town. And uh, they built – there was originally just a track facility, and they just added on to it and made it nice and put put in a school board and did a really nice adding, job. Adding so, a football stadium to a track is, is very, very reverse, like <laughs> – Right. Yeah, it was originally just a track facility with a little small set of bleachers. So yeah. what they did is they took the Dublin took the old home bleachers from the from the stadium downtown and put those on the visitor side, and then built basically a brand new home home section, a lot bigger. It seats it seats thirty seven hundred, which is a good size for a three eighty two. Yeah, so, that's, that's a lot of playoff games. All right, so. Um, I can tell you, I've got the Fox um, reporters up. We'll see if Pickles uh, Pickles equipment actually works this week. It better since she's going to be in Atlanta. I know what a what a downer it would be if her equipment didn't work. Uh, Sarah Merrifield will be at La Vega and Argyle um, as we just continue to follow those two teams around because they just keep scheduling just giant games. Uh, Lauren Blackwell will be at Shiner and East Bernard. Katie Engelson will be at Belleville and Rockdale. Good game there. Um, Paige Schnorbach will be at Newton West Orange Stark. 
Uh, Ashley Pickle, as president, as we mentioned, will be at San Sab Atlanta. Whitley Pleasant will be at Paul Pewitt and Salina. Interesting bounce back opportunity for Paul Pewitt. Salina's kind of got to figure things out. Like, I don't know. That's interesting. And Austin Ivan will be at Pilot Point and Gunner, uh, which is at Prosper. Yes. Um, Beautiful Children's Health Stadium. Yeah, they're playing there to, to have some some bigger some 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 more fans in the stands. So, uh, yeah, Pile Point and Gunner uh, for that one. So we will have uh, we'll have you covered on Fox Sports Southwest. So make sure you tune in for for sports. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, I think we, okay. we did it. We did it. Mission accomplished. I think we did it. I think we did it. Okay, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. Please tell your friends to subscribe and become Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insiders themselves because that would, again, to really bring it all full circle, help keep our wives from being mad at us. So thanks very much for that. And uh, Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. See you next week on Tap and Step. Step.